0: Tens of millions of families with Alzheimer's disease and dementia all over the world, including our family. We are Alls in the Fam. I'm Alan Fair. And I'm
1: Polly Fair Noise. We're siblings, we are parents, but we're also caregivers.
0: This is our podcast. This is our support group. Welcome to our family. Alzheimer's sucks, but this family lives, laughs, and learns as we fight for a cure. Welcome. Hey, welcome to Halls and the Fam.
2: Hey, Alan. All How are right, you Alan?
0: We're good, we're good. So we're gonna talk about a really exciting topic today, COVID-19, um, which may in and of itself isn't very exciting, not at all actually, but, uh, but the vaccine is. And uh, today we're gonna uh, one share, uh, you may have seen in our Instagram that our mom uh, has received her first vaccination and uh, we came across uh, all's, uh, the Alzheimer's Association website, alz.org, which we refer to often and um, contribute uh, to as well. Um, and the current homepage on the site right now is about answers for dementia caregivers and people living with Alzheimer's with regard to the uh, the vaccine. So we're gonna use that as our guide today. And so, um, Just to start out, um, we've talked about in previous episodes, but in the late spring, early summer, our mom who lives in a memory care facility did in fact uh, contract COVID in a pretty major outbreak in her facility, uh, both among residents and staff. Um, We all remember that. She uh, didn't have any symptoms other than she couldn't Um, smell or taste anything, uh, but otherwise felt fine. That was a pretty interesting time, right, Polly?
1: Yeah. So it was the beginning and there wasn't as much testing as there is now, Um, just wasn't available. And they wouldn't have tested mom if they weren't testing every single person in the facility. And she never reported that she couldn't taste anything. She just wasn't drinking or eating very much. And so they said to her, well, why aren't you eating or drinking, and she said, well, I can't taste anything anyway. And that was difficult because they wanted to isolate her. Um, So we're sure glad the vaccine is here now to stop other people from having to go through what our mom went through. Not with, it was really the treatment for um, keeping the rest of the facility safe from others who had coronavirus or COVID-19 that was the most difficult thing for people with Alzheimer's because they were isolated. And don't know why, they don't understand why. Right.
0: And so fast forward, we now have one vaccine on the market with more on the way and the way it's being handled in the United States is that all 50 states are adapting their own plan and um, our mother is in the state of Maryland. Do we wanna talk a little bit about what the experience has been like with regard to the rollout?
1: Yeah, so the, um, I'll just, sorry, I'll lead in here and let you guys jump in. It's wonderful, the vaccine is available and they prioritize people living in congregate facilities to get the vaccine. So our mom is in an assisted living facility, a memory care facility, not a nursing facility. And at first we were told she would get the vaccine before the, uh, December holidays. And it turned out that that was a mistake. Um, because when they realized in our County in Maryland, that she was not actually in a nursing home, but an assisted living facility, her, her number, her, her, um, facilities number was moved further back. And she actually just got the vaccine on January 30th. So more than a month later, but still she's gotten the first dose. Yay.
0: I think all of us just have to be patient with regard to how it gets rolled out, even in our most vulnerable populations.
1: Right. So um, I got a form to fill out to um, authorize giving my consent for her to receive the vaccine, um, And I think I got that in late November, hoping that it was coming soon and I filled it out. And of course we, the facility where our mother is, is really hoping to vaccinate a hundred percent of the people as a way to protect everyone. I've heard news stories that maybe not every staffer wants to get vaccinated, Um, but I don't know in her particular facility if that's the case. So, you know, we had some discussions about that consenting for our mom. I mean, Bonnie, you, you and I definitely talked about it.
3: Yeah, I was with you, Polly, the day that they actually handed you the form. We were sitting outside with mom and we were trying to get her to sign it. So that was Obviously. for the
1: flu shot.
3: Um, oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah.
1: Um,
2: yeah. And I think we've touched on the topic in, in this podcast from as it relates to the flu, and it certainly, uh, I think it is that one of the most unique aspects of consent is with someone who has dementia and is able to have an opinion in the moment. They're not incapacitated in the same way as someone who has um, a mental disability, at least ex- or a more progressed form of um, disability that doesn't allow for them to make their wishes known in the moment. So you know, we, I think that's a very distinctive feature that for dementia patients, you know, where does consent lie and how do you make the decision for your loved one? Um, Or, or do you make it for them? And what happens if they don't comply?
0: So I I have a question that I don't know. I'm, um, I think either Polly or Bonnie or uh, I, all I know is that I am not mom's medical power of attorney. If, if we wanted to, as her, as her power of attorney, could we tell her facility that we don't want her to get vaccinated? And even if she was saying, I want to be vaccinated, they would have to respect our wishes.
1: Uh, No. So if she physically refuses to get the vaccine, they can't like hold her down and force her to that's, that's the thing. Now, if she was, in a coma or somehow physically incapacitated, unable to speak, which happens with people with Alzheimer's, they could do it if we requested it. And she was unable to voice her total desire not to be vaccinated. And I guess, you know, this brings up an important point. Our mom has, we knew with the flu shot, she never wanted the flu shot for years before she was over 65, didn't want it. She got it one time at Tracy and Bonnie's urging she that she must get it and subsequently got the sickest she'd ever gotten with the flu. So um, that just cemented in her mind that she was not gonna get the flu shot ever. And so we actually talked to her, Tracy and I together about the flu shot. And she said, no, 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 absolutely not, no. And given that she'd had this reaction before, either to the flu shot or actually got the flu after getting the flu shot, we just kind of left it at that. I said, you know, my mom doesn't want the flu shot. Um, And I'm told that there are many people at her facility who did not want the flu shot. I mean, uh, anyway.
2: Well, and in addition, if you're talking about our mom in particular, not just to the flu shot, she is deathly afraid and dislikes needles altogether and has always been very reticent about taking any kind of medication um, preventive or as a, what do you, I'm not thinking of what the word is, to make her get better. She's always been one that's been, that's refused most medications and certainly anything given to her in a needle. So, um, so, and Polly, your point is exactly what I was saying: is that our mother has an opinion, and she's going to have it at the time. So they asked for consent from um, from Polly because she is the medical power of attorney, but they can't override that. They can just do the best they can to have her consent. And so, you know, that's it's just something that you have to be prepared for if your loved one with dementia is able to voice their opinion at the time that the vaccine is going to be given. So I don't know, Polly, we just, we just went through that. And, and, you know, Polly, I think we were discussing mom's reaction and how the facility managed it.
3: Yeah. I think mom was ahead of her time uh, with homeopathic treatments, just a little aside here, always kind of distrusted doctors a little bit and I wonder how many of our listeners were put through the torture of taking cod liver oil as children and also (laughs) um, had the pleasure of when they had a cold being given a nice little cup of, let's see, I think it's lemon juice, ginger, and a big shot of rum. To make your cold go away. And oh,
0: honey. I never got the and, rum. Oh yeah, but honey, I never honey. got the cod liver either. I did. I did get the the ginger tea though, which, which I still enjoy to to this day. I, I like oh. ginger, lemon, and and honey. That's the uh. Well, you got to put a shot of rum in it. That's yeah. Like you got, the best if thing. you're if
1: you're congested, I, it's rum, honey, and lemon. Mm-hmm. I didn't always get the ginger in it, but Mm-mm. not are younger. That, that, was a that was an one. upgrade. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> rum, honey, lemon,
3: and then ginger was an upgrade. And then when my kids came around. She would try to do that too. And she finally resorted to sending me to CVS to try to find Coke syrup or an actual Coca-Cola to give my kids when they had a cold or a stomach, a stomach ache. ache. So that's yeah, for that's the,
1: the stomach. stomach ache, right? Okay.
2: Okay. That's, yeah. that's the sh- that's to settle the stomach, which ginger ale too. Those were the yeah. two yeah. things that were Oh right. yeah.
3: Ginger ale. Yep. Mm-hmm. So she was, you know, she was
1: homeopathic. She and well, she's back, sensitive to
3: needles. Yeah.
1: Circling back, I wonder how much of our mom's experience as being not an immigrant, but from Puerto Rico uh, is the basis of her distrust of the medical establishment in general. It's not that she, I mean, we were all vaccinated for everything, childhood vaccinations, but she is a person willing to question, and why should I get this? And I imagine if she didn't have Alzheimer's would be questioning you know how well was that vaccine vetted do i need to go first I, I don't i wouldn't see her first in line if she had didn't have alzheimer's just you know no, honoring definitely. her personality no. there i can't see hundred
2: percent yeah I agree 100%. yeah
1: yeah but
3: and i remember you know another blast from the past readers digest i remember specifically her reading that Um, cover to cover, and one time saying, you know, I'm a woman, I'm a small woman, and these drugs that they talk about, I just read in this article, were made for men. And that's something that's in the headlines still today. And this must have been, you know, 30, 40 years ago, she was telling me that she didn't trust any medications.
0: It maps to some of the things that we've learned in talking with Bridget Reynolds at Georgetown University that Minority populations are less trusting of medical establishment. The, um, in, in Alzheimer's research, there's very little data on uh, African American and Hispanic populations, and so our, our our mom is very much part of that community. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say she's an anti-vaxer. Yeah. I mean, all of us got vaccinated. Right. Uh, I remember her being terrified of the AIDS virus and. Therefore, and st- I, I don't know. Maybe everyone was terrified of the AIDS virus in the '80s, but I was a kid, and man, I remember like our mom being very concerned about that. So, if she had all her marbles, it would be interesting to see if she would want to be lining up to be among the the first to get this vaccination.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, let's get to the punchline. So, I did sign the consent form for her to get the um, COVID nineteen vaccine. And on January 30th, she got it, but not before I got a phone call that morning from the um, person administering the vaccine, someone I did not know. I don't know if they worked for, CVS is administering vaccines at her facility. Um, They have a contract with, I don't know, the county or the state to do it. And um, a person from there called me and said, your mother doesn't want the vaccine. And will you talk to her? And so I talked to mom and this was funny. And I said, mom, please get the vaccine. You know, otherwise we can't see you. I really want to be able to see you. If you get it, then it'll protect you and me and um, Bonnie and Tracy and Alan and I all want to see you. And she said, Oh, I can see you. What do you mean? I'm just, I want to go home. And I said, no, I really want you to get it. So she said, okay, fine. And like threw the phone off to the person who had given her a phone and the person said, okay, Carmen, you're going to get the vaccine now. And she said, hell no. (laughs) Typical of my mom. She said, and they said, well, you want to see your, your daughter. And she said, yes. And she said, well, they said, you can't see her unless you get the vaccine. And she said, then I won't see my daughter. And that was it. And the phone went dead. Wow! So I was left with, Oh no, what will we do? Um, So I called some of the people in the facility that I still know, um, didn't get through to them, didn't know what was going on. And eventually one of them called me and said, Hey, your mom's going to get the vaccine. And, um, and I said, she knows you go talk to her. And so they sent me a picture later and the facility did a great job. They, there were five people that took mom, like it was a big party clapping and, balloons and walked her downstairs to the lobby area, which is bright and sunny and beautiful and sat her in a chair and made it a big celebration and they got her to get the shot. So, um, I got a phone call from the nurse there a couple days later, and she said that mom had no, um, side effects from the first dose. So,
0: and so, so that's, that was dose one and shortly, yeah, She's going to get her second dose in the next couple of weeks. Week it is scheduled so. 20
1: days later. Exactly. And she, um, they've told me that they're planning to do the exact same procedure <laughs> to get her to take ritual. the vaccine again. Yeah, that ritual. That um, So, I mean, shout out to the staff. they really working hard to get just one person or mom to get that vaccine. Um, but you have to wonder if they are able to take that kind of effort for every single person. And it brings up a lot. I mean, it was really a concerted concerted effort to get my mom to change her mind. One of her, I wouldn't say it's core values, but one of the things that is important to her is that I'm not sure I trust this. Am I, are you making me, I don't know. You're making me get it.
2: Yeah, and I yeah. and I, I think you can even break that down again into for the decision making for for us. She already had the virus, so we know she had some immunity to it, and she did agree to do the first um, vaccine. But now we're coming up on the second one, and will she consent again? And then what? How far do we push that? Given that we know that the first one is it's more protective than the new one that they're coming out with uh, that you only need one dose yeah so just it's one dose protective.
1: of the two dose thing mm-hmm.
2: and then the oh, second and, and and there's evidence that when you take the second dose the incidence of side effects is much greater yeah. so you know that we've got another decision coming based on what her uh, reaction might be at that time yeah right
3: I'm glad we have a little more time because, you know, it will be interesting to see if the CDC comes up with new guidelines because of, you know, people like our mom who have had COVID, who had one dose, you know, should they get that second dose? I think right now they're still recommending that it's done, but. um,
0: Yeah, and very limited data on it at this point too. I mean, the number of people in the United States, that have had their second vaccine, it's very it's very small, and we're in an interesting situation. Knowing that the few times she took the the flu shot or the or the most recent one in in memory, she contracted the flu that year. So, um, is she someone who's going to be prone to any of these potential allergic reactions? I'm not sure that any of us are personally. Hand wringing over it, but this has got to be a question on a lot of people's minds who are caregivers, or my loved one has shown um, an allergy to medications in the past. Will they have an allergy to to this one?
2: Yeah, and depending on the symptoms, not self report it because if right. the symptom is something like what our mom had when she was actually sick, which is you know she didn't taste very, she didn't taste and didn't smell and slept a little bit, which they really figured out in, in retrospect. So it wasn't that someone noticed that that was happening and then, Oh yeah, the COVID is what happened. She wasn't tested because of it. Once she came up positive, they said, Oh, we had noticed she wasn't eating and drinking that much. And when we asked her, she said she did, did nothing tasted good. Right. So, um, so again, with the being able to self report on the back end of what their symptoms might be, um, is another is another thing you have to remember and take into consideration when you're deciding for your loved one, especially if it's not going to be their primary wish to go yeah. ahead and get them vaccinated again.
1: I, I'll point out that if, uh, if my loved one was a person who maybe was more like one of uh, uh, Tracy's in-law who isn't really going to leave the facility, I think my focus would be more on vaccinating everyone around her right if she didn't want the vaccine maybe I mean she's got some paralysis some nerve pain adding to that pain with a shot that might have lingering I mean I'm a baby when I get a flu shot my whole arm swells up and it hurts for three days I mean it's fine I'm I'm a big girl I can put some ice on it and take a Motrin or a Tylenol or whatever but that's a different thing when you're talking about a person who's already in pain or least existential pain. Right. Right.
3: Mm. And yeah, we had a very similar situation with her, with her, you know, saying, okay, I'll get the vaccine. But when the time came, she didn't want it, but a very different result. She, like you said, Polly will not be leaving the facility. Um, But she had had COVID like mom and um, recently had had COVID. So we were kind of like, now they say she's recovered, but she is on so many medications that we didn't really know how bad her case was because the medications that she was on were possibly masking symptoms that she would have otherwise had. She was on a blood thinner for um, blood clots. She is on a lot of pain medication. So in the moment when she said she didn't want the vaccine, You know, we tried to convince her a little bit. We were on the phone with someone who was with her, went through all of that. And in the end, we just decided, you know, she's not going to be leaving the facility. They're already on the second vaccines for everyone else in her facility here in Virginia. And uh, we just said, you know what, if she doesn't want it right now, let's wait.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a valid decision as well. Absolutely. um, I mean... And one that mom might, might have made if she was able. Um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I will say that there is no there is no peace in any decisions you're making for an Alzheimer's person because there's so much to consider. You consider their health. Do I know better than they do about themselves? I mean, the old Seinfeld thing, should they have domain over their own body? Right. Right. Um, well, and I, uh, and a I
0: different do, context than that particular <laughs> yeah, episode. Yes,
1: I, and, absolutely. And that,
0: <laughs> yes. But
2: but I do think, Tracy, you bring up a big point that wasn't as much of a point for us, which is, you know, a lot of dementia patients are on a whole host of other medications. And there isn't a lot of data for medication interaction because there isn't a lot of data for anything with this. So, you know, we, we didn't have that as a consideration, but that's huge. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Interesting. You know, and I believe rightly so that they are the most vulnerable population. Therefore, they should be the first people to get the vaccine. on the other hand, you know, they're sort of Guinea pigs when, you know, maybe should have had, you know, healthy young adults get the vaccine first, but that's what the trials were for. And, um, those were successful. And I do believe that the FDA in that regard, you know, smartly really did good randomized clinical trials.
1: You know, I, um, I also wonder, um, how people are doing if they're taking care of their loved one with dementia in their own home, right? So to to get a person out, to wait in line, there's places you have to wait in line now in Montgomery County to get a vaccine. I think that's another concern, like, is it worth it? And then are they gonna vaccinate the caregiver in the home who's taking care of them? Because in, at least in the state right. and county where mom and I are, it's congregate facilities only, right? Uh, so prisons insane. are also being vaccinated at the same time as mom. Um, yeah.
2: and it's the same situation in Virginia as well, where um, where care- caregivers in the home who are not medical personnel are not considered in the hierarchy. So if you have an aide that comes in, your aide can can be vaccinated as a healthcare worker in their turn, and they get priority but not if you are, um, if you're a relative or a caregiver who does not have a medical designation. Interesting.
3: I think in
0: some ways, deciding which answer is best for a caregiver or or a caregiving family is leaping ahead to the worst case scenario, which is what if they get it, become symptomatic and have to go to the hospital. And the idea of your loved one who has Alzheimer's being alone in a hospital, um, that that's a pretty scary thought. And I think that um, led us when she had it to relooking at um, some of the forms that uh, had been filled out for mom to make sure that in, in light of pandemics and other things that what was filled out on those forms are, are going to continue to be, relevant and the right decision for us and our, and our mom going forward.
1: Yeah. You got to have an advanced care directive to state, you know, how do you want them sent to the hospital? Do you want them ventilated? All that. So um, who's the person who's going to make those decisions? Um, It's hard. Uh, But yeah, the vaccine still I consider good news, but understanding that for a lot of people, it's a decision for us to really fraught with just so much, um, so many concerns. Yeah,
3: Um, I'm sort of glad I have to wait a bit to get it um, as much as I would love to have it and uh, be able to go about my life as usual. I'm not too upset that I'll probably, you know, be one of the last people to get it.
1: Yeah. In a way, it's selfish. We got mom vaccinated so we could see her, So she, right? I mean, if she's... Um, the, the other thing is you don't know that all the staff... I don't think it's mandated that the staff get vaccinated at these places. Um, you can't make them. And many of them are in groups that are distrustful of um, medicine, right? Like our mother. So we, I don't know if they got it or not, but our mom could be a carrier and spread COVID to my family if I had her come to my house and she wasn't vaccinated. So, yeah. Interestingly,
3: i read, and I'm sure you guys have, and our listeners, I think it's very interesting that some companies are not forcing people to get the vaccine because they can't, but they're offering financial incentives if they do so.
1: Yeah. I saw that too. Um, I did. And I, Again, I have not been told whether mom's facility is doing that. Um, and, you know, I, I, I mean, the people who work there deserve privacy as well. I don't, you know. Yeah. Anyway, that, that um, is
0: going to be very interesting to see how all of this shakes out the yeah, number I'd, of people that.
2: I've been fascinated by how we're developing a two tiered society of the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. And I read an article about uh, the Cayman Islands and how they're being very strict about who they're letting in. And if you have a vaccine and you can have proof and that some airlines are doing that now too. They're having, doing flights for people who are vaccinated versus not. So um, it's just going to be interesting overall.
0: Right. So I work in live events and as we forecast when people will be able to gather again at business conferences and meetings and other things, it's, it's top of our mind as well. What kind of forms will people be required to sign to attend releasing an organization's liability for uh, bringing people together? Um, how, how might privacy rights and other things sort of sort of merge together and make that make that process be, uh, I, I guess my point is, is that th- there's a lot of, um, unknowns that are going to, uh, that are going to converge among the vaccinated, unvaccinated, how, how organizations will, will deal with that and how that comes to a head is going to be really interesting.
1: Working in HR, I feel the same way. I mean, how are you, how are you going to handle that? I think it's going to involve a lot of testing, right? But, um, I think there's lots of news articles about the limits of testing. You don't need me to describe it, but yeah, there, we really are on the cutting edge of some new things and we don't know how that's going to happen.
0: If you remove the politics of it and just look at some of the innovations that are happening with new uh, treatments and therapies in the, in the field of healthcare, it's, it's really amazing whether it's right for you, whether you're an anti-vaxxer or not, just how medicine is now coded and worked, and how we can ship things on, on proteins to cancer cells and other things is really, really fascinating. And I think that the opportunity for these pharmaceutical companies like Pfizer and AstraZeneca, Johnson and Johnson, I think there's an opportunity if, if this story ends the way that I think we all, we all want it to, is this an opportunity for, for big pharma instead of being, you know, known for drugs for profit, can this be the story of how healthcare companies were able to, to come together and help in some way play their part in saving the world? It's, yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, I. Uh, You know, tying it all back, there's the ethics and the moral piece that isn't necessarily legislated fast enough to affect the decisions that we're making with our loved ones. And just with, I've, again, I find that to be fascinating the ethics of medicine and the morality and the individual decisions that we're making that wrap into society and how it's going to affect us. And we're taking a very quick, unusual brand new situation in the entire world and we are you know deep diving it all the way down to our own personal situations and that's how everybody's making their decisions all around the world so it's just a fascinating time and a very difficult um journey that we're on here together
1: right with a lot of time pressure a lot everything as fast as we can
2: absolutely yeah it's life and death literally
1: yeah
0: right and I think we all personally feel a part of it on that journey where we're genetically predisposed to Alzheimer's. We see the stats, we see the math, the, the freight train as boomers continue to age. Um, there isn't this, this bullseye therapy that we can specifically point to and say that it's going to intersect at the perfect time where if we have plaques that are going to form and our memory is going to go that, anything will line up in time to be of help to us, but we certainly hope for that and for for everybody, because if not, they, um, the milestones look pretty grim as to where we'll be with uh, Alzheimer's and lack of uh, proper healthcare for it.
2: I do think that one of the thing the pandemic shows us is what the world can do when they single-mindedly put together all of our resources and uh, intelligence to try and solve a single problem. So, you know, part of what we're doing is bringing that focus to Alzheimer's, which is now considered to be one of the top uh, diseases affecting the world overall. So, you know, if we, can, if we can move the attention a little more towards it, I think we can be much faster. We can move that needle much faster and, and comparing it, you know, if you look what we did here. With with the uh, pandemic, let's do that for Alzheimer's right now. I, warp warp speed, yeah, please.
3: Yeah,
0: yeah, I I agree. Well, um, on this journey that we're on, I sure am glad to be on it with all of you. Good to good to have siblings to go through the not so great stuff with uh, in life as as well as the as well as the great stuff. Um, so we'll we'll link this article. It's, it's an FAQ about all things uh, coronavirus vaccine with Alzheimer's and dementia patients um, and hopefully just our perspective being somewhere along in the journey of where we're at with our own mom's uh, vaccination process. Hopefully that's helpful to uh, to some. We are all in the fam. See you next time. Thanks for listening to Alls in the Fam. In the fight against Alzheimer's and dementia, we are all family. Find us at Alls in the Fam on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and on our website, allsinthefampodcast.com. We appreciate you clicking that subscribe button on Apple, Google, Spotify, or whatever your favorite podcast catcher may be. Alzheimer's sucks, but we are in it together. We are Alls in the Family. Talk soon.